Yo, what's going on, y'all? What's going on? Welcome back uh, to another scrum differous, slim differous uh, episode of the Audible Podcast. I'm your host, the most, the Wardy Sign, the man with the plan. And um, there's been a lot going on, of course. Uh, since I've last updated you, well, I've actually updated you since then. The NBA season from last year don't count. Right, so we already got that down in the books. Uh, that's already something that just doesn't exist uh, because of the bubble, COVID, uh, all sports were officially canceled. So whoever and whatever, however, and whomever uh, may have or may have not won a championship last year, it, it makes, uh, I don't care. Moving on to this year. So there's been a lot of discussions on my timeline, on my Twitter timeline, and in in personal life. We've always discussed this. But I want to know how GMs and presidents of sports organizations A even get a job, B keep their job for a, you know a decent amount of time, and C, how can they still get a fucking job after, for instance? Now on the timeline I brought up um the former GM of uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, David Connie. He was there about three years, and out of those three years, he picked players that are not... I think the only player that may be in the league right now is Ricky Rubio from 2009. So he picked Ricky Rubio and someone else in the 2009 draft. So in the 2009 draft, before he even picked 12, Minnesota Timberwolves had two picks. And in two picks, they picked two point guards. And none of those two point guards was Steph Curry, who was picked... Maybe two or three picks after that. Now, this is a... Um, I've heard uh, NBA players discuss this. So, you know, I kind of take their opinion, obviously, over over my opinion. Um, when it comes to how players and how organizations mix. But there, there's no... If Steph Curry would have went to the t- Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, Steph Curry is a super-duper star these days. With how trash teams like the Minnesota Timberwolves work, um, his injuries, and how other trash organizations, uh, the Phoenix Suns, the, um, oh my God, the Atlanta Hawks, the majority, or Orlando Magic, the majority, the clear majority of the NBA is garbage. There's probably four teams, five teams that constantly compete and and stay competitive i won't i should say stay competitive um in instead of competing deep in the playoffs because you can be a team that doesn't make the playoff but you can still have a competent team and you can still be a competent organization um that just has plans different plans yeah today might not be your day Next week, next year, uh, two years after that might be your day. That's what I mean. You have a lot of organizations that plans for that. Uh, for instance, with the Pelicans. Uh, I'm not sure what the Pelicans thought this year was going to be. Maybe they thought it was going to be a playoff year. At the very least, it should have been a playoff year. But there's enough young pieces to where you can figure it out. You can figure out next year. You can figure out the next two years. Uh, Minnesota, good luck. And actually, let me put up all the NBA teams right now. Um, because I like to physically uh, embarrass I'm just going to Google NBA teams. That way I get all of them. All right. Go to NBA.com. Okay. So we're going to go through all these NBA franchises. And I'm going to show you the level of incompetence 
or um or or I'm gonna just salute him, you know. Or I may do both. I may just call him a piece of shit and also uh, salute him at the same time. Atlanta Hawks. So the Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta Hawks get no salute. This is why the Atlanta Hawks get no salute. I understand that Trey Young is a fantastic talent. The fact that proven talent, which was Luka, and I'm going to jump in front of this. I wasn't on the Luka train at first, but I'm not an NBA fucking GM or president. I didn't see an 18-year-old win championships in Europe. I didn't watch that. I didn't see that. I didn't see none of that. But it's not my job to see that. I don't get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars to be able to adequately scout talent and scout potential from NBA players. The Atlanta Hawks, let's just say Atlanta Hawks over the last 30 years have been an absolute dog shit franchise. There are a couple years with some 60, 64 wins. I think Budenholzer was there when they had the 64 years. They got swept. So you're going to tell me they get 64 wins and they get swept. I'm supposed to show some kind of credence or credibility to that. I'm going to just tell you I'm not. And we're going to move on from it. The Charlotte Hornets. Somehow. Somehow. The greatest competitor. And arguably. We can go arguably here. I think it's a. The majority will say. That the greatest basketball player. Has no idea on how to draft talent or how to to see talent. Maybe he knows how to cultivate it. I don't even think that's the thing. I don't think he knows how to do that. There are certain players, you know. I think, and this is a a, a position that um, Jerry West has has kind of opened up. I know there's a lot of people in between that, that have probably done this. I know Steve Nash uh, has been the most um, I say popular one as far as you know these modern times and. Being a player consultant, you know, when Steve Nash went to Golden State, which is, I'm sure, how he carried himself there is how he got the job in Brooklyn, the coaching job in Brooklyn. And I'm saying this while I pull up the Charlotte Hornets draft picks. What do you say? It's already up. So. And he, I forgot he drafted Shea Gilders Alexander and, and, and traded him. Sweet Jesus. So, you have these star players, right? And a star player, as far as I know, we we haven't had a star player as a legendary coach in in any profession that I've seen, uh, basketball or no football. You know, a lot of these people that become coaches, they they can be former writers, they can be former players, they can be uh you know people that just understand. The 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 X and the O's more than actually executing the X's and O's. Some people just like that. I, I've watched Earl Watson talk several times, and he just just from the outside looking in, he seems very educated on the intricacies. Big word alert! Intricacies. Big word alert. There. Big big eye word alert. It's not a big word, but for eyes, it's a big word. I've seen him speak incredibly well on basketball 
But then I see the Phoenix Suns and the teensy coach, and they were absolute dog shit. Now, there are a lot of things that go on. There are a lot of roles and analytics. He's talked about analytics to where they say they came to him and say, hey, you have to shoot 33s to stay competitive. We want to shoot 33s. The analytical team, the GMs, and everybody else come up. We want to shoot, and this is why another reason why basketball teams are so terrible. You want to, we want to shoot 33s. Well, he said, I don't have people to shoot 33s with. Who do you want me to shoot 33s with? I can force Devin Booker to shoot 10 a game you know it may not be within the call of the game but i can have him shoot 10 who's getting the other 20 you had marquis morris i think it was marquise morris uh tj warren you had a lot of bunch of play you had a lot of players but none of them are three-point shooters so a lot of these gms and a lot of these um analytics teams mainly people like the rockets and i, and I won't say that Tony because then tony was a part of the phoenix team but a lot of these dumb teams, what they're doing is, is they take a team like the Golden State Warriors, and they look at the success of a Golden State Warriors. They say, hey, Steph Curry shot this many threes. When Durant was there, he shot this many threes. Clay shoots this many threes. And everybody else kind of gets open threes, and they make them inefficiency is whatever, whatever. So we need this many people. So let's say Clay and Steph, and, and also when KD was there. Um, and then we'll do it before KD. Clay and Steph, let's just say they shot. 17 threes a game. It's probably more than that. Between both of them. 15. That's a little bit more. 15 threes a game between both of them. And then you add in another, let's say, 10. It gets up to 25, right? So you get a team like... Let me pull it back up. A, a dumbass team that shoots a lot of threes. And I won't say the Rockets. You get a team, let's say the Pelicans, a dumbass team that just wants to shoot a lot of threes and run fast. So the Pelicans um, either shot first or second in most three-point attempts this year, right? There was at least top three. The difference is you don't have the two greatest fucking shooters of all time. Phoenix, you want to shoot 33s because of Stephen Clay. They are the two best shooters of all time. Thank Tony. When he was with the Rockets. I understand shooting that many threes. You don't have the two greatest. Three point shooters. Literally of all time. Ray Allen is up there in debate. There's other people up there in debate. You got at least two of the three. Wherever you want to put Ray Allen in, in, in the course of with these two, but I think it's been proven over the last six years, seven years, that they are one and two. I think that's I think that's pretty I think that's a proven fact. Who the fuck are the rest of you NBA teams to want to emulate shooting that many threes when you don't have the personnel or ding 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 the two greatest fucking shooters of all time it is so confusing it is so dumb to watch nba teams build their franchise get rid of key players get rid of key draft picks just to make trade on top of trade on top of trade just get three and d guys just to get some tall guys here just to get some guys that can maybe shoot threes to emulate the two greatest fucking shooters of all time. The the Warriors systems mean nothing. 
excuse me, it means absolutely nothing if you don't have uno and fucking dos. So when I heard Earl Watson uh, say that, that the analytical team from the Phoenix Suns told him that, it makes sense for the analytical team for the Phoenix Suns to tell him that because the analytical teams for the Phoenix Suns are still thinking that they're ahead of the game because they were maybe ahead of the game in 2006. Basketball is exponentially faster in pace than it was in 2006. The slowest teams are on pace than what the Phoenix Suns were in 14 years ago. And then everybody else, for instance, Charlotte. Let's go back to 2011. So, all right, in 2011, he drafts Kimball Walker, Tobias Harris, and Jeremy Tyler. Okay, Kimball, obviously a good choice. Kimball, obviously not there anymore. Tobias a good choice. First round draft pick. 170 million right now. Salute the bag. Tobias Harris is terrible. He's very fresh lineup. He's horrible. He's horrible right now. And I'm not saying he's a horrible basketball player. When you align what the salary is and what the production is supposed to be, he's a horrible basketball player. Things aside, uh, keep spending them checks, player. Keep cashing them checks. Keep cashing them. Michael Kill Gilchrist and Jeffrey Taylor. Okay. In 2013, round one, the number four pick, MJ, Michael Jordan, selected Cody Zeller. Michael Jordan. Noah Vonley. Round one. Pick number nine in 2014 draft pick. Matter of fact, let me go. Let me open up another thing. Let's go NBA draft picks. 2013. And 2013 was a wonky fucking year. Because I think that's the Anthony Bennett year. It is the Anthony Bennett year. So in 2013, this is even crazier. Uh, Detroit. KCP at number eight. This nigga picked Cody Zeller at number four. Oh my god. Otto Porter's at number three. Ola Depot is two. Alright, this might just be a bad year. But Cody Zeller is, is not a number four pick. I'm sorry. You know, I don't I don't know what MJ MJ got with, you know, maybe the white Midwestern boys used to be busting MJ ass in college. And maybe he's just trying to find a gym. Like he just trying to find him a little, he trying to find him a a, a Luca, or he trying to find him just a white boy. They got a whole bunch of fundamentals that he can just, you know, sneak in and try to. Um, because the thing is with, with Luca, why Luca is so great, and I've, I've seen a certain somebody else say this, I forgot who it was, is Luca has extreme fundamentals. He knows how to actually play basketball. He doesn't have to rely on athletics. And when the way NBA is now. The NBA is fast, but it's also real fickle. He knows how to get fouls. He knows how to get the rim. He can also shoot. He can also do everything. Dribble your lights out and then dunk your lights out. By dunk, I mean dunking with a three. Frank Kaminsky at the 2015 draft. So Noah Vonley was number four and number nine. So first of all, 
you're getting a top 10 pick in 2011, 12, 13, 14, 15. And in 16, I bet you they traded, did something dumb. And in 17, you get in a number 11 pick, you get uh, Malik Monk. And in 18, it was Shea, but they traded Shea. Forgot they had something set up for that. And in 19, you get P.J. Washington. And it was number 12. So MJ has a top 15 pick every year. Charlotte has a top 15 pick in the first round every year consecutively since 2004. A top 15 pick consecutively. And act like I say a top 12 pick. Except one year, which is just 16, because they dumped all their trade assets because they, they're they're fucking idiots. Uh, MJ is is I, I he's the greatest player of all time, but he just may be the worst selector of talent of all time. Uh he he's number one. So uh, GM Jordan, GM Kawhi, and GM LeBron are the top three worst GMs of all time. But LeBron actually got a championship out of the the dumb moves he decided to make for Cleveland, uh, the second Cleveland run, um, the Miami run when they just wanted all vets in, and this Lakers run. Even though maybe uh, they could have won something last year, last year doesn't count. But it's a dumb roster in general. Um, the Dallas Mavericks, extremely, extremely stupid draft picks for several, several years. Got Luka. It kind of offsets a lot. It doesn't offset a lot because the rest of the roster is absolute. It's trash, right? Because if you have several years to build a roster and all you can think of is one player that you just drafted two years ago and another player you just got traded for because a stupid-ass organization decided to trade them, there's no other pieces on that team. There's J.J. Barea still on the team. Mark Cuban gets a little bit too much credit. Financial genius, absolute dumbass when it comes to basketball. Uh, Golden State Warriors, we already know what they is. We already know what they do. They draft talent. Um, and even if, you know, every year is not perfect. Every year of drafted talent is not perfect. But since 2014 and 15, uh, they haven't even been able to draft high talent anyway. There's been a lot of trades. There's been a lot of late picks. Um, some of the late picks we thought was a steal. I thought Jordan Bell was going to be a steal from from Chicago. Chicago could have probably used Jordan Bell. I thought he was going to be an absolute steal. Um, it absolutely was not. I just saw Jordan Bell get put in a blender um, by um, Cambridge. I forgot Liz Cambridge. Forgot teams he plays for Washington somebody. WNBA player. She's a good big. She hit him up with some ooh ooh, and it it looked it looked real embarrassing. It didn't look embarrassing because she was a WNBA player. He's an NBA player. It looked embarrassing because he jumped on two hezzies. That was obviously she wasn't even gonna try to do. She was gonna just whoop whoop him, and she hit it with a whoop whoopity whoop. Moving on, the Clippers. GM Kawhi, right? So the Clippers, as of last year, and we're gonna go into Doc a little bit too because Doc is. Uh, horrible. Uh, he, it seems that every time Doc leaves a team, the I'm not sure how Doc Rivers is coaching his teams, right? Because it seems as though that when these cats get off these teams, they want to get the fuck out of there. 
They despise each other. They don't like each other. There's always controversy, right? So let's go back to Boston because I can't think that far back in Orlando. I was real young when he was on the Orlando team. You know, I wasn't even thinking about NBA narratives or media or anything else like that when that was going on. So I don't really know much about that. Boston. We saw the Boston, um, how when, when Ray left, big, we see Big Baby didn't really fuck with Doc like that. He didn't really fuck with a lot of people like that. Uh, we saw that if you didn't see the um, episode of Inside the NBA. Uh, Baby and Doc didn't really fuck with each other. Paul and whoever didn't really fuck with each other. KG and whoever didn't really fuck with each other. Rondo and whoever didn't really fuck with each other. All these cats just don't like each other, right? So then we move on to the, the Clippers series. The Clippers um, in the early, well, late late 2000s, early 2000s, like 2010 to 2013, we find out Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, and and Blake Griffin fucking hate each other. Blake Griffin and Chris Paul fucking despise each other. When Chris Paul went to the Rockets, they instantly was about to have a locker room fight the next year. These niggas was teammates for like four years, five years. And then the next year, the immediate next year, there's a locker room fight. People trying to meet up in locker rooms and scrap it out with each other. This year, and this year is a little shaky because, you know, it's a lot of, you know, it's always been propaganda. Um, as far as uh, outside media, ESPN, different things like that. ESPN is clearly not. <laughs> it, ESPN is clearly not unbiased when it comes to when it comes to uh, NBA sports. It, it's pretty clear who they want access to, who they need access to. I understand that. You want the greatest player. You want the most popular player, the most popular athlete in the world. Uh, you want access to him. Um, but they kind of pull their draws down whenever they. Uh, whenever they uh, attempt to to look like they're being unbiased, they're, they're actually not. They're, pre- they're pretty awful. But but saying that, when you had all these reports of, you know, Lou Will doesn't like what's going on. Pat Beverly doesn't like what's going on. They don't like that, you know, Kawhi get to sit. I'm going to stop the break. I'm going to hit the brakes right there with, with two hands, with two feet. And a hand. I'm going to reach down real dangerous. And stop the pedal with my hand. Hit the brakes with my hand. First of all, if this is true, I respect Lou Will. And I definitely respect the grind of Pat Beverly. Seeing, you know, uh, reading about and watching stuff about where he comes from and, you know, the neighborhood he comes from, the city he comes from, the route he took to become an NBA player, where he had to play in G League. This nigga playing in Greece. This nigga playing in uh, motherfucking. A hooping in Zimbabwe just to get to this point where he is now. Same thing with Lou Will. Lou Will has been a starter for a while now. For his entire career, he's been a starter. He's stepped in the role. He's excelled at the role. Um, I understand why he's a bench player uh, as well because you get a lot out of him. Melo, I wish Melo would have thought that way as Lou Will accepted that role, but I understand why Melo didn't. I'm ranting, but I understand why Melo didn't because he was a star player at one role. So asking a star player all of a sudden to come off the bench is very different. And we also see that's why the coach from LKC got his dumb ass fired. Let's move on. Who is Lou Will and Pat Beverly to tell Kawhi to do anything. Kawhi can't take a... Nigga, Kawhi can do anything he... If Paul George was getting some treatment, I got something to say. Kawhi? Kawhi, who was clearly injured all last season. Well, the season in Toronto. Clearly. 
who's clearly been fucked up since the Golden State series when uh uh I forgot who hurt him, put his foot under. He's clearly been fucked up since then. It clearly seems like it's a a, a degenerative injury. Um, just because uh, he didn't like the way San Antonio treated him. Um, and he didn't like the way San Antonio treated him because previously he had the exact same injury and they treated it the same way and it got bad on him. It got even worse for him again. Um, so that's why he didn't accept that from the Spurs. I understand that. He goes to Toronto and you see he's not playing all the games, not playing all these minutes. He's resting. He's doing all this. And in the playoffs, you clearly see this man limping for like three series. And then you jump right back into another season. And somehow people think he's like 100%, 110%. It don't work like that. There's a reason they didn't want to go into the bubble. So while I respect Lou Will and I respect Pat Bell's uh, grind and their path, if those things are true and they've been coming out so long, you assume that they are, maybe at this point, even though uh, they've refuted him, Lou Will has publicly refuted him. He's tweeted it. He didn't say it. He tweeted it. And he said it too. But telling Kawhi to do, you know, we should calm down a little bit. That's why I don't think that's true. Because Pat Beverly and Lou Will just doesn't seem like cats to just be whining, bitching, moaning, and complaining about special treatment when... They knew what was going on about them dudes coming there. And they was excited about them dudes coming there. That's why I'm, you know, a little bit up on the propaganda. But I spent way too much time on the Clippers. And I'm sure uh, Doc has these motherfuckers fighting in the octagon um, after practice or something like that. Because this is the third team. This is the second team on this franchise. But it's the third team overall where it seems like motherfuckers just absolutely hate each other after playing with Doc. Miami. Miami done it. Miami done this, uh, has done a fucking almost perfect job, and they haven't won the championship. They just got to the NBA Finals. They haven't won the championship since LeBron's been there. So it's like two thousand, I guess twelve or thirteen. Uh, they, it was back to like yes, it was twelve and thirteen, fourteen. They got spanked. Miami has been consistently building now. Two, three years ago, three years ago, I don't know what Pat Riley was thinking. It was a whole bunch of money in the cap. He decided to pay everybody, which kind of fucked up their, their situation for about two years. Um, They paid Whiteside, which is a tragedy. Of course, he's not even with the fucking team anymore. They played Justin Winslow. He's not even with the team anymore. Uh, they played uh, Drogic, who is... Um, Drogic bought his money. Drogic is a is a law guy, and he, he even tried to play injured this, this past year. Uh, in 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 the playoffs, so that's a little different. But it just seems like with the right coach, a coach that if they had a weak or and this is the thing about having a weak organization, if they had a weak organization, Spoelstra would have been fired in two thousand and eleven or twelve. And I'm more than sure that's why LeBron left because Pat Riley wasn't gonna fire Spoelstra. They wasn't just going to bow down and bring in any coach you wanted. And that's why as soon as they went to Cleveland, Cleveland bought in a coach that this going to have for the future. They was planning on Cleveland was about to get Gordon Hayward. Kyrie is the Kyrie is the reason why Gordon Hayward got to Boston. Gordon Hayward is the reason why Kyrie it was. Well, Kyrie is the reason why Gordon Hayward was going to go to Cleveland. They already had a team set 
And then when Braun came back, it just blew the whole thing up. And it also got rid of their coach. Now, out of that, you got a championship. So, Cleveland cannot win a championship in the next 20 years for a piss-poor franchise. I think that's fine with them. That one championship that they got is more than good. They didn't get one for 60 before that. So, I think for the next 20 or 30, uh, based on Brown and the statue that's going to be in front of uh, the Quicken Loans Arena, uh, once Dan Gilbert goes, there'll be a big statue uh, in, in front of that arena. But when you have a weak organization, you have a weak GM, you have a weak president of basketball. David Griffin was that guy. That's why I don't like to hire. We'll get to the fucking Pelicans. David Griffin was that guy. Dan Gilbert was that guy. And they got rid of David Blatt after one year of going to the NBA Finals. Imagine your first year as an NBA coach after being the most successful coach in European history, whatever that means. He has more wins than anybody else over there. You just got the top 10 player from over there so it's something good going over there right you bring him in and you say hey we're going to have a brand new core and this brand new guy is going to be Kyrie we're going to bring in Gordon Harrell we're going to have have a bunch of other pieces and that's how we're going to build everything up together from the ground up with our young pieces and then when LeBron gets there there's no young pieces dumb one draft draft pick gets traded and several other young assets goes because when LeBron there, it, it's win now. Understand that. It's it's win now. Right? LeBron gets there, they win the championship. Kyrie helps secure that championship. They win a the championship. They just get it done like that. That's just they got it done. But what would the Miami Heat be now? First of all, who is the Cleveland Cavaliers coach, right? You, you we don't know. What would the Miami Heat be now if if it's supposed to Got fired in 2011. Supposed to got fired in 2012. <laughs> I think Pat uh, Pat Riley would have been able to find an adequate replacement, but it, it, they're not Spolstra. And that's when it comes to uh, just weak organizations, easily getting rid of a coach, not not grinding for success. People think just because Golden State went from here to here, there was a steady climb. Now, let me tell you, the climb was pretty fucking big at the end. But they were garbage for a while, for a long time. They were absolute trash. And then they had a playoff success. And then they had a playoff success. And then all of a sudden, it's championship. And I think people think you can just jump all of a sudden to championship without having those steady steady years of grinding and getting a mindset there if you keep getting rid of coaches and get rid of personnel and bringing in this person in and this person how's anybody ever gonna be able to get together or, or, or get along with each other or get used to each other how, how is that gonna be able to happen when lebron got there to la they made sure all of those people were either a his people, clutch people, or veteran players. People that knew how to play. Rondo knows how to play. He knows his role. AD, clutch. KCP, clutch. Kuzma, clutch. All they had to do was come through when they had to come through. Danny Green, come through when you got to come through. That's it. Now... You got the one of the greatest players of all time to offset everything. You had a really upcoming star to uh, to offset a lot of the incompetence that GM LeBron brings in. Because let me tell you what, that roster's dog shit. But when you have 
two of the top four players in the NBA, things can things can change. Obviously, let's move on. Uh, but big salute to Miami um, because they're still relevant. And let me just uh, get the diaper right now. Let me take a huge shit uh, on the New Orleans Pelicans. Right, so the New Orleans Pelicans. Or the, the New Orleans Bobcats, Charlotte Bobcats, New Orleans Hornets, whoever you want to pin them to, New Orleans Jazz, add up all those years, and they are all very, very unsuccessful as a franchise. Doug Dempse is the worst GM we ever had. He's gone now. Alvin Gentry is one of the worst coaches we ever had. He's gone now. Uh, I liked um, I liked uh, Mighty Williams before. Mighty Williams was doing some dumbass shit. Well, I didn't like him before. I like him now. I, I, I think he's a, he's a good addition now. He was doing some stupid ass shit. Right? The owners. Gail Benson. Loser franchise. The Saints. Relatively new success. Super Bowl was in 2008. Very long time ago. 12 years. Mediocrity and heartbreak since then. The Pelicans. Dog shit. Since then. So now you have a bunch of star players, right? Not star players. You have young players with potential. You have people like Drew Holiday. You have veterans like J.J. Reddick, right? And I think this, I think unfortunately this coaching decision was probably influenced by fucking J.J. Reddick. Let me, love J.J. Reddick. Like his podcast. Enjoy the podcast a lot. If J.J. Reddick had anything to do with this hire, which I think he probably have 70% to do with this hire because Stan's was his coach in Orlando. I'm going to headbutt a fucking wall. Who is J.J. Reddick? In the, in, in the, who, who am I? And First of all, who is J.J. Reddick in the grand scheme of things? To, I won't go crazy. We won't go in. You have to have a winning franchise you have to bring in winning coaches you have to bring in winning players players who have won in other places that you have confidence that's going to help you win here coaches that have won recently the last six years not won a championship because you can't find those third round in the playoffs conference finals at least Stan Van Gundy is none of that let me be a real analytical genius and let me use fucking Google. And let me put up the Detroit Pistons. You probably can hear this. And Stan Van fucking Gundy. Alright? Now, so I think a little bit of this, of this Stanness, is. From Stan being um, the coach of the Orlando team, but let me tell you this: he he stopped being an Orlando team coach in 2012 after Dwight got him fired. 2012, right? So that's eight years ago, right? He spent four years in Detroit. Four. Four. And let me get to it. 
Right. Hey, coaching record. Oh, let me get pissed off at this. Let me piss myself off real quick. Detroit, 32 and 50, 44 and 38, 37 and 45, 39 and 43. Fifth, third, fifth, fourth. I wanted to say those right. Fourth. In the fucking division. In Orlando, third, second, first, 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 right? In the division. First, first, and first is between 2007 and 2010. I want to throw something really bad, and I want y'all to hear it crash. I really want to throw something. I'm looking at the computer monitor, and giving it the closed line from hell is really on my mind. Because we have players that are signing to Clutch. And they're signing to very, very prominent sports agencies. And what they see is they see their GM, not the GM, their agent, putting them, putting their other, how I say this, co-workers or NBA players in positions to either win championships or get big money. How much big money has the Pelicans ever given away? And Jesus Christ, how many championships have they ever won? So we don't have a history of paying people. Except AD. And he bounced. They got a fucking ring the next year. And we have never won anything. Barely even winning playoff games. Even when AD. Barely even winning playoff games. Barely winning a fucking playoff series. We probably won one series. In eight years. What is Stan Van Gundy? A coach that has coached two teams. In 10 years. And one of them ended so fucking disastrous. And it was 13 years ago. 12 years ago when there was success. And you bring him into a loser ass fucking organization. When he just fucked up another loser ass organization. The Pistons are fucked. The Pistons are even more fucked than when he was before there. Before he got there. Because now they're sitting on a big ass Blake Gifford contract. And Drummond is gone. And they're trying to play both of them together. Stanley Johnson. Bro, let me. Uh, I'm, I'm so. Uh, I'm in the pod right now. I'm, I can't even get to the other teams. I'm so fucking mad. The Detroit Pistons roster. In 2018. He was there, right? I just looked the bullshit up. He was there. This nigga was there. And that's Dwayne Casey. 17. Let's go 16. Yeah, this nigga's the coach. So... Not only had the benefit of building his own team. Now everything works perfect. But if I tell you, hey, this is your pen. You get the fucking pad. 
and you get to draw whatever you want. And you bring back me a fucking stick, man. I'm going to think you an idiot. Arab Baines, Reggie Bullock, KCP. He wanted to pay KCP $83 million. Henry Ellison. Andre Drummond. Tobias Harris. Reggie Jackson. Stanley Johnson. Boban. Marcus Morris. Ish Smith. And they were absolute trash. I'll move on because the Pelicans, they need their own. And speak Orlando Magic. Absolute trash. What is Orlando doing? Who are they drafting? Are they going to keep drafting forwards every year? How many do they need? Another franchise that has been awful. They've been in the finals twice. And you say, oh, we'd have been in the finals twice in 30 years. When they lost to, who they, who they lose to the Lakers. And when Shaq and them got beat, nigga, Shaq been retired 10 years. And that was like his second year when they got beat. Third year. No picks. Doc Rivers didn't want to get Tim Duncan. Could have had Tim Duncan, but Tim Duncan said, hey, can my wife fly on a plane with us? The private plane when we go, you know, sometimes when we go? No. Grant Hill, Tim Duncan, and fucking Tracy McGrady. Another Doc Rivers thing. Doc Rivers need a fucking lemon meringue pie thrown in his face. Portland Trailblazer. I don't like to give Portland too much shit. Um... Yes, I do. What am I, why am I saying I don't like to give Portland too much shit? Of course I do. Portland swept or gentleman sweep is how they it's how they play off in every year for like seven years, eight years. If your team either gets swept or gets caught in a gentleman sweep for like seven, eight years. Then I'm not sure how Dane is considered the best point guard in the NBA. He's not. But I'm not sure how he's even considered that. I'm not sure how every year Portland's considered a top 10 contender. I'm not sure how when the playoffs started in the fucking bubble, whatever the bubble may, may be. I heard about this thing called the bubble. I never heard of it because the NBA season was canceled last year. People were talking like they were about to go on a fucking run. What? At the beginning of the season, when Melo played good for like five weeks. He was trashed the rest of the season. Whiteside, trash. Defensively shows up sometimes, but this thing is getting paid like $140 million. If your team has a player... And y'all get either swept or you get a gentleman sweep. Then you might as well blow up the fucking team. You got a star player and some good players. I like They got some good players. You got a star and good players. And the only thing you can figure out every year is a five. Losing my five. Last year they got swept. The year before that they got swept. 
Year before that, they got swept. Year before that, they lost. Let's cut the bullshit. Let's move on. The Raptors. Let's talk good about the Raptors for a second. We're going to talk bad about them a little bit for the, for the, uh, you know what? You know what? We will talk bad about them. I wasn't going to, you know, kind of praise them. They got an NBA championship, which is impossible. Who would ever thought that the Toronto Raptors um, would, would win anything uh, in general, uh, let alone uh, an NBA championship? Uh, I didn't even think, I never see me even get to the finals. I want to salute them for that. I want to salute uh, Masai uh, for, and all their player development coaches. I don't know their names. Nobody will ever hear this. But big salute to them. Because you got G League players like Siakam, who had a little bit of a step back. A good step up at the beginning of the season. A little bit of step up, step back in the middle. But he's fine. Van Fleet. Uh, OG. Um, Norman Powell. You have a bunch of cats. That nobody's ever fucking heard of. Pardon me, no disrespect. I've never heard of these cats. I don't watch college, you know, so they wasn't they didn't pop up my, on my radar as big prospects or G League prospects. Or you need to see this. You need to Google this, nigga. You need to YouTube this person. None of these people have popped up like this to me. So I don't mean no disrespect. But they are uh, fantastic players right now. And that goes to developing your developing your players these are g league players these dudes van fleet siaka went up to winning g league championships to nba championships within like two or three years granted they had Kawhi, but they helped tremendously siaka was guarding anybody he's guarding the peanut man the water man uh nacho man anybody what well, they said poutine the poutine man uh you if you serving that hot bowl of poutine cold side he's swatting that shit onto the court period siaka was on it but somehow, and this is going to go for the whole Eastern Conference, and, and I would like to include Toronto because they were at the, the top of the Eastern Conference. Somehow, one person, LeBron James, and I understand he's a great player. He's not great. He's a legendary player. But there's no way a nigga can go to the finals. I'm going to say a nigga because I'm so disgusted. A nigga can go to the finals 10 straight times. And none of us can do anything about it. He didn't have it when he was in Cleveland. It was it was him and Kyrie and Kevin Love. I get that. Real. It's a fucking super team. But nobody could figure anything out for 10 years. The Miami. Nobody could do anything. 10. 10. 10. No Eastern Conference team could figure any fucking thing out. I kind of want to just sum up the entire Eastern Conference by saying for 10 years straight, nobody could put together any fucking thing. It took him leaving. For anybody to go and get anywhere, it took the nigga leaving. He had to leave. For all these billion dollar franchises to advance. (sighs) Boston falls into that too. Got Boston next up. 
So big salute to Boston. For nothing at all. Uh, Boston is uh, such a shitty, shitty place, shitty franchise. Uh, they don't, uh, they don't deserve a salute for anything. First off, how could you fuck up the Kyrie? Let's go back. I'm real disgusted with Boston. Uh, you get the tone in my voice is get. I just get, I get angry. First of all, you trade Paul Pierce and you trade Kevin Garnett. First of all. And Brooklyn, I think Brooklyn is probably after this. First of all, you trade Paul Pierce and you trade Kevin Garnett. Right? You trade Paul Pierce. That's like trading Kobe if you the fucking Lakers. Right? That's, that's, is that not close to being the same thing? It's close. That's like, it would be like, I want to disrespect Paul Pierce. It'd be like the Lakers trading Kobe in 2011. Not 11. I would say 13 or 14. Whenever he had the Achilles injury. When he had the Achilles injury and he walked off on his own. That's like the Lakers trading him after. You get no points. For trading. Your franchise player. No points. And then you trade KG. You trade him over to Brooklyn. right? You get a whole bunch of trade ba- tra- draft picks in. The draft picks lead to, I guess, Tatum. I guess Tatum was a part of that. And nothing else. This is this is the, one of the most underrated things. I don't think I think most people have uh, haven't seen. There is a reason why the Boston Celtics over the last I would say six seven years are in trade rumors. They're always trading. And they never actually trade anything. Nobody really gets traded. Except Paul Pierce got traded. IT got traded. Everything else is a lot of rumor and a lot of innuendo. Let's go to the Boston Celtics draft pick history. This is going to show you why they always fucking trading, right? Let's go back to 2006. 2006, their first round pick was Randy Foy. In 7, it was Jeff Green. In eight, it was J.R. Giddens. In nine, it was Lester Hudson. In ten, it was Avery Bradley. In eleven, it was Marshawn Brooks. In twelve, it was Fab Mello. In thirteen, it was Lucas Nogueira. In fourteen, it was James Young. In fifteen, it was R.J. Hunter. In sixteen, it was... Uh, Ante Zizek, and then they got a whole bunch of picks. Remember, they got they got picks from uh, Philly. They got picks from Memphis. Those picks: Deontay Davis, Raid Zacharak, Demetrius Jackson, Ben Bentil, and Abdel Nader. Who uh, I think he's I think he might still be in the league in, in Cleveland. In seventeen, you got Tatum. In eighteen, Robert Williams. In nineteen, Grant Williams. In nineteen, they got Thibel. Uh, uh, but he got traded. And in 19 again, Romeo Langford.
there's a fucking reason why Boston is in trade rumors every year. Because Boston doesn't know how to fucking draft. The only reason they have Tatum is because Philly jumped in front to grab Tatum. They would end up with Fultz. And I like Fultz. I wish Fultz was on my team. But the talent right now, when you compare Fultz and Tatum, is not even close. So they slid their way into Tatum. Fultz, Fultz was the person. There's a reason why Boston's in trade rumors every year. There's a reason why Boston has to trade Paul Paris and KG. There's a reason why Isaiah Thomas has to is still suffering from a hip injury that they misdiagnosed. They misdiagnosed his hip injury. He played through the playoffs through with it because they told him it was okay. And he still fucked. That was like 2016. So Boston gets no points for me. And I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna make a oh let me um I'm gonna find a better. And I wanna make sure uh, my timeline sees this. Just how fucking awful. Boston is when it comes to can I um I don't know if I can I can do that just how fucking awful Boston is they're not good people and we can go all the way back to 2003 um, Troy Bell, Al Jefferson, Delonte West in 04, 5, Gerald Green. It, they're one of the worst drafting teams that, that you're going to find, period, in general. Uh, let's move on. Chicago Bulls, irrelevant. The Denver Nuggets. I want to salute. I, I'll salute them. I'll salute them for actually bringing in um, young talent. And cultivating the young talent. Now, Denver is, is a very, very mediocre franchise. Uh, but they're very new. Well, they're not a new franchise. Denver's been around. Why does why does Denver always seem like a new franchise to me? Denver was around like the fucking late 70s and 80s. Because they had a prolific offense in the 80s. And they had Robert Packing them with the 90s. And they, they haven't done uh, anything or, or jack shit. A big salute. They got a lot further than I thought they would. Um. Houston Rockets up. Um, I don't know if I have another Rockets ran in me. The Rockets for the last nine years have been trading away every last draft pick, first round draft pick they had for the next six years after this one. So I don't think they have a draft pick, a first round draft pick until at least 2026 or 2027. Uh, they just fired the GM, who's been just patching fucking holes together off a bullshit dumb system that he thinks he can emulate off of the Warriors. But they don't have the two greatest shooters of all time. And they have Daniel House. And they have... Uh, Doc Rivers' son. I, I can't remember his first name right now. I, I I don't really know who they have. I don't really know what they have. Uh, I just know they're trash. I know they have a terrible owner. 
I know they now don't have a coach and they don't even have a GM. They're right where I need them to be, which is in hell. Lakers, I don't know who that is. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks did the... Milwaukee Bucks made... And... I don't know if y'all saw this, right? So throughout the playoffs, in the post-conference, not post-conference, in the post-game interviews... Giannis came off very sarcastic to me when they said, hey, man, why do you only play 30 minutes? He said, I only play what the coach tell me to play. Well, you did 30 minutes. Why don't you play? He said that like three or four times, that he he does what the coach tell him to do. Hey, why do you do this on defense? Why do you do this switch? I do what the coach tell me to do. To me, that came off very sarcastic. I'm not sure if really anybody else came off like that. Bootenholzer had a couple words that were also real Secret assholeish and sarcastic as well, not directed to um Giannis, but just in general. Um, they played big the entire year, and when it came time to adjust, they didn't and they got their ass bust. Giannis being that sarcastic, y'all can go back, you know, I can pick up sarcasm maybe a little better than most, and I may be tripping, I may be a little paranoid and saying he's he was sarcastic. But when he says I'm doing my coach tell me to do, that sounds like pure fucking sarcasm, especially when it comes from a star player. I don't think they adjusted. I don't think they made the right choices. I would say they could have, they should have kept. Um, I don't know why I remember his name. It's a point guard that went to Indiana. He went to the Pacers. Um, I could have said they could have kept him, but he's been injured most of the season as well. And I think he even had COVID at the fucking end of the season. So. He was very injury prone, which is probably why they didn't re-sign him. Um, but the Bledsoe, Middleton, and company thing is obviously not going to work. Um, they were figured out and they were exposed. They have too many bigs. They have way too many centers. They have not enough three-point shooters. Devin Chenzo on these cats is way too young to make a huge impact right now. It's like his second year. Uh, both of the little pass brothers, even though they play well, that's regular season well, nobody really stressed the flow like that. And when it came time, they were just simply unplayable. In a lot of scenarios. Um, and this is the second time they've been figured out. And this is even worse. Because I think it was either a sweep or a gentleman sweep. And uh, the MVP don't get a gentleman sweep. The Knicks. All time terrible. Uh, maybe one of the worst franchises in the history of sports in general. Really not nuts to be said about the fucking the Knicks. Uh, the 76ers. Uh, 76ers, right? So the 76ers have this thing. Where they are, they're trying to force relevancy. Did I say relevancy right? I don't want to say it again because I might mess it up. They're trying to force it. And they did it by a couple years of tanking. My couple years. It's like six, seven years of tanking. And six, seven years of tanking ended up in Embiid and Ben Simmons. And nothing else. N- nothing else. Fultz is gone. Um, I-, I don't know who else they got. They have nothing else to show for all of that tanking. Jimmy Butler they had last year, he's gone. I don't know what else they had. But a lot of what they had is gone now. They didn't make any relevant draft picks. Um, we have the center. They drafted like a center four years in a row. We have one of them. Nerlens Noel is gone somewhere. 
uh, Embiid and Simmons are going to break up at some point. And if they don't, when Doc Rivers come in, they will box on the court. They are already close to boxing. Well, going off of Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers' history, they definitely will meet in the fucking octagon at some point. Um, and you still have Tobias Harris with a $170 million contract. Big salute. I'm not in any way disparaging Tobias Harris for getting that bread. But in the terms of, uh, I guess, basketball contracts, which I still barely know. I'm a casual. But $170 million is a lot for a nigga that's not putting up uh, spectacular numbers. Just my opinion. Sacramento Kings, one of the all-time worst franchises. The Sacramento Kings, I don't even want to... I don't even have to look at... You know, I put up Boston's um, draft history because you may be surprised by Boston's draft history. Just because they may have some young players and they may they have been somewhat relevant in the playoffs. But drafting, they do not do well. They have not done well. And I just bought up 15 years of it. 15 years. And matter of fact, you go back in the 90s. Boston didn't even draft well in the 90s. Boston hasn't drafted well since the 80s. Throughout the entire 90s, they were trash. Paul Pierce is there by himself for a very long time. They didn't get anywhere close to relevant until the late 2000s. Paul Pierce got drafted in like 96. The late 2000s, when they when they ring it, 07, 08, something like that. Was it wasn't 11, 07. It was probably 8, 2008, something like that. 8, 9, probably 8. So Paul Pierce was there like 14 years. So when I bring up people like Boston, I bring up other teams, you know, you, you're kind of surprised by the, the draft choice. If I tell you about the Knicks, if I tell you about the 76ers, if I tell you about the Kings, you wouldn't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Well, you would actually know what I'm talking about because we already know they draft, they don't draft well. And it's not the players, man. These players go into these college situations and it and overseas situations and all these different types and they ball out. And they would get to a dog shit franchise. And all of a sudden, people think they're a bust. Anthony Bennett, he might be a bust. Deion Williams got picked up real high. Yeah, he might be, you know, they could be bust per se. Um, But Cleveland being an awful fucking franchise and being in pure chaos most of the time has a lot to do with that. Sacramento being pure chaos since... 2001 and then pure chaos every year before that in the 90s they were trash in the 80s they were the worst of the worst in the 2000s they were the worst of the worst late 2000s 2011s up to 2020 still the worst of the worst it is a bad franchise Utah Jazz It's no fucking jazz in Utah. Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets. Uh, so the Brooklyn Nets are a little confusing, right? So their history, they're trash. Going pure off, purely off history, purely off what they've done, purely off what they have accomplished, which is not much. Purely off them making maybe the worst trade in NBA history for Paul Paris and KG. They're trash, right? But they had a good coach. They had nice developmental pieces. Dimwitty, Jared Allen, uh, Levert, 
players that I wish at some point could end up anywhere else besides Brooklyn. They didn't even end up on the Pelicans because I didn't want I want anybody on the Pelicans because all they're gonna do is get fucked by coming to the Pelicans. I want Ingram to leave. I want Zion to leave. I want everybody to leave. We're going to jump back on the Pelicans. I'm pissed. I'm going to have to make an episode on the Pelicans. I want all of them to leave because none of those players, Zion don't deserve to be in a New Orleans situation where nobody will hold him accountable for whatever's going on. You know, I don't know if personal situations, maybe, you know, parent must be sick. He had COVID. Somebody had COVID. He, he, he disappeared for a couple of days just out of nowhere, just, you know, I don't know what happened in the in the bubble or you know uh some something that could have been called a bubble. Brandon Minger, fantastic player. Lonzo, very good developing player. Number three pick, so he shouldn't be fucking developing now. But he's been in horrible situations, so how can you really blame him? He went to the he did the Lakers thing. The Lakers were what was supposed to be developing him. All of a sudden, all of them are shipped out. And they're going to New Orleans with Zion. And after that first year of them being there, they don't even have a coach no more. Now they got a brand new coach. And this brand new coach is an old school coach. It's fucking Stan Van Gundy. So we'll see how they do that. Because I know um, Lonzo, Lonzo drafted when Stan was in Detroit. Hell yeah, he was. So he played against him. He know they trash. So I'm not sure what. I'm not sure how you can continuously blame these young players. You know, the best player in college has to go to the worst NBA team. The best player in college has to go to the worst NFL team. Joe Burrow just had an amazing in LSU. And he has to go to the Cincinnati Bengals, which has been trash for his and my lifetime. And yours too. So maybe this is a, this might be a draft thing. This just pull all these fucking names out of hat. Just put more names in the hat, but pull all their names out the hat. Like, you know, if if I'm dead last, instead of one name in the hat, put like six of them in there. Put eight of them in there. Six. Six is fine. If I'm within a certain tier, you know what I'm saying? If you know, if if my team was between fifteen to ten, throw like four names in the hat. The, the two names, three names in the hat. Excuse me, three names in the hat. Just to some type of balance. We can't have the best players in collegiate football and basketball history constantly going to the worst franchises in NBA and NFL history. Phoenix gets another top 10 pick. They be getting top 10 picks forever. We went over somebody. The Hornets be getting top 15 picks for like 15 years. Maybe this is a draft thing. You know, I'll bring this up on a timeline and, um, it can kind of correspond with what I'm talking about here. But maybe we need to figure out the draft thing. Maybe this casting can just get signed from college. And um, we make the G League more. more. It's just something else. Let them go to the G League first and let them, let, let teams sign them. Um, I don't know. Maybe the draft, it gives uh, more players who, you know, maybe some dude from fucking Ball State. He goes in the fourth round. Maybe he, he would never got a chance in general. You know, if he didn't get a chance to declare for the draft and it was just all free agency stuff, maybe cats like that for small colleges never had a ch- just don't have chances with stuff like that. But we can't continue to have the best players. Think of this. Like, well, we'll go to football for a quick second. Look at Case Keenum. If anybody looks up Case Keenum's stats, Case Keenum has thrown the most yards, and I even believe touchdowns, in NCAA history. Now, we can say that Case Keenum could just been an elite collegiate athlete. But who is ever going to fucking know 
when he gets put in with the Texans. And he has to be backup for the Vikings. And he has to be backup for the fucking Washington football team. Or when he played for the Rams, they let him get fucking knocked unconscious in a play, get up wobbly as fuck, and then finish the next play where he just stumbled onto the ground. Maybe the situations need to be a little better, but that's something I'm sure that's been discussed before. Uh, uh, back to Brooklyn. Brooklyn seems that they are trying to be in this um, this millennial therapy. You know, we don't need a coach. We need somebody that just blend with the players and get along with the players. Steve Nash and KD and Kyrie. Let's go have a fucking my tie. Let's see how that works. I think maybe Steve Kerr was that was that calm with Golden State. Maybe they kind of see that. You know, Nash and Nash and KD both coming from that organization for a couple of years, and and uh, maybe seeing how lax it was, and maybe they think that you know maybe basketball situations should be a bit more lax, and maybe it should be more about the players, and maybe a coach's job should just be adjusting what's going on in the game from their perspective instead of trying to force players into situations into offenses or defenses that don't bring out the best in them. For instance, putting Westbrook. In a fucking situation where they, where they shoot 35 threes a game. It makes no sense. Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, we, we've talked about them. Um, 60 years of irrelevancy. One year of relevancy. And I'm sure they'll go be back to another 60 of another. Uh, Detroit, absolute dog shit. They've been the last ounce of... Anything 2004, just bad coaches, uh, bad drafts. They've been drafting terribly since Darko. If you can name me one draft pick, not that's even on a team, one draft pick that Detroit drafted and is on another team shining, that D- Detroit had the wherewithal in the basketball mind to pick the player, but they couldn't sustain him, they couldn't hold on to him. Or they couldn't even tank good enough to get a much better player, uh, you know, at, at you know top five or something like that. You can name any player that Detroit has drafted since two thousand and three that is relevant, or that was relevant in any top ten discussions. Please feel free to let me know uh, whether that and like I said, that player doesn't. Didn't have to play on the Detroit squad. Maybe they traded him. Maybe they drafted. They traded him, etc. Things like this. Uh, things like this happen. But Detroit is an awful, awful franchise. The Indiana Pacers is an awful, awful franchise. There have been moments of relevancy, but their relevancy is mostly just losing at the biggest stage. Um, uh, for some reason, they they fired their coach after being. They were like. Maybe a four or five seed last year with nobody. They made it to the bubble. They couldn't do well. Old Depot was just trash. And then somehow the coach get fired. Even though they didn't have Sabonis, which is their best player. And throughout the season, they had Sabonis for a little bit, who was balling. He was balling all last year, getting none but crazy double doubles. And they had a lot of players just playing up. T.J. Warren playing up. Oladipo has been hurt the last two years. So you had 
the guy who's supposed to be your number one player, and he's been hurt the last two years, and you still make it to a top four seed, a top three seed, and he fired a coach. I would have loved Nick Ben Millen on my, my team as well, instead of Stan Van Gundy. Memphis, same kind of route as um as a lot of these other teams. A lot of young talent. We'll see what they do what they do with them. They've been able to sustain talent. It, it and I like Memphis because they they changed guards real quick and they went from Zebo Conley to Gus and Gasol within like a year or two. And all three of them gone. And all of a sudden, it's just this brand new team. And I like how they just shift identities. They went from, hey, we had the old regime. It didn't work. We're going to get rid of them. We're going to come with the new regime. And we'll see how it works. We don't know how this new regime works. But with people like John Morant, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., um, I'm sure they'll be fucking A-OK. Minnesota Timberwolves. Minnesota Timberwolves is why I even started this discussion. I'm not sure if I discussed them at the top of the show, but the Minnesota Timberwolves is one of the worst franchises in the history of sports. And let me tell you how bad they are. Let me, uh, you know, sometimes we think about these teams and we just think about it in relation to how long, you know, maybe we've been alive. For instance, like the Miami Heat, is a 90s franchise. The Miami Heat wasn't around in the 80s. Miami Heat, I think, became a franchise in like 91, 92, maybe 90. They're not a... You don't see any Miami Heat 78, 1978 talk. It just just doesn't go like that, right? So you have a lot of teams like that. Um, Obviously, we know, I think our last... um, Our last franchise teams were... It was probably truly Memphis and... Memphis in um in Toronto, well Vancouver and Toronto in that time. That was like nineteen ninety five, I think. Um, let me go to Minnesota's uh, history, right? Pardon me. So Minnesota. Franchise history, right? Minnesota became a franchise in 1989-90. I believe that they came in the same year with the Miami Heat. Now, comparing them to the Miami Heat in anything besides the year they came in will be fucking stupid. So they've been in the league 30 years now. And in three years, they had a 58-win season in 2003. And that is the most wins that they've ever had in franchise history. And that's 58. After that, 44, 33, 32, 22, 24, 15, 17, 26, 31, 40, 16, 29, 31, 47, 36. And last year, they won 19 games. Before the 58, 25, 45, 40, 26, 21, 20, 19, 15, 29, 30. I didn't want to see what the first person they, they drafted. Actually, I do want to see uh, the first person they drafted, first player they drafted. Can I even see that? Doug West. 
Brad Sellers, Donald Royal, Scott Roth, Pooh Richardson was the first set of players that they bought in. OKC Thunder. We kind of touched them on a little bit. Um, the biggest thing for OKC to me is they had an awful coach. And they had an awful coach before that with Scotty Brooks. Because Scotty Brooks somehow couldn't figure out a way to stagger the minutes between Westbrook and KD. Let me tell you all this. And I'm not, of course, obviously I'm not an NBA coach, right? When you have two star players at the caliber of Westbrook and Kevin Durant, the times where both of them are off of the court should be very fucking minimal. If you look at LeBron and AD, the time that they both spent off the court is very fucking, together, is very fucking minimal. Because when you have two of the best in KD and Westbrook, at their point, it was probably top 10. Top seven, five, I'd probably say ten. With, with, with LeBron and AD, it's top three. We have two of the top three players. You keep them on the fucking court with each other as long as possible. Surprise. Phoenix Suns. We discussed the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns are one of the worst franchises in the history of any sport. Um, they have. They do nothing, they win nothing, they draft nothing, and they draft high every single year. Let me go to Phillies, not Phillies, Phoenix's draft. Um, Phoenix Suns, and I'm going to see draft history. And, you know, I don't mean to call out players because it's not these players' fault that they go to these awful, stupid fucking franchises. Because, like I said, has Steph gone to the wrong place? There's, I don't think there's many franchise that would have invested that much time and care in cultivating stuff and his injuries and everything else uh, most of the other teams would have ran him out the fucking league right so we'll go back to 2011 13 13 5 14 13 4 4 1 6 that's the draft pick spots of Phoenix Suns uh, for the last seven, eight years. Before that was 13, 13, I, I said those. Um, and Robin Lopez, Earl Clark, Rudy Fernandez. They drafted Rondo in 06. Of course, you know, they, they traded him. Um, Earl Clark. Um, Keith Morris was a number 13 pick. I mean, it's just some amazing stuff when it comes to Phoenix. And they're awful. This has been so depressing. I, I just can't wait to get... To, to be done with this. And we're almost done. I've never been so um, depressed and angry at how people who make multiples of millions and thousands of dollars can be so bad at their job. Still make so much. I'm, I'm halfway jealous. San Antonio Spurs, there's nothing bad to say about the Spurs. The only thing bad to say about the Spurs is that maybe Pop. I think maybe Pop underestimated. How NBA players actually think. I think he had the benefit of having a guy like Tim Duncan. And having a guy like Tony Parker. And having a guy like Manu Ginobili and David Robinson. All of these cats that are just. I don't say humble. Because everybody, there's a lot of people that's humble. 
that was just in it for the team. Tim Duncan could have left a lot of money on the table. Um, but he also has five championship rings. So how do you equate that? Because if I'm worth forty million and you work eighty million, you got forty more million than me. But you, we probably stay in the same neighborhood. We probably drive the same car. We probably go to the same restaurants. Our kids probably go to the same school. Uh, most of the things we do is most of the things are exactly the fucking same. You know, your purchases may be bigger. The purchases may be uh, fucking ginormous uh, at a certain point. But when you add in five championship rings, it it balances things off uh, a lot. So I don't have anything bad about the Spurs. They've only missed the playoffs two times in like twenty five years. The first time it, they tanked purposely to get Tim Duncan. And then last time was last year. So, there's nothing bad to say about the Spurs. Only that maybe Pop underestimated how selfish. Le- because I don't think, I think the LaMarcus Aldridge thing could have thrown Pop off. Because, how could you get a guy that is not even, you know, I won't go at LaMarcus Aldridge. Realistically speaking, LaMarcus Aldridge is it's not a third of what Tim Duncan is, especially when it comes to the Spurs history and production overall. We could keep it real. And there was a lot of, you know, he wanted to get traded after the first year. Oh, I don't want to play like this. I don't want to step back and shoot threes. I want to play this way. I want to play inside. I want to play mid-range. He wanted to play the way that he only knows how to play and that nobody else in the league is playing like that now. And I guess for Pop, for, for them to not be able to figure it out and for him to just get traded and a Pop would be like, you know, I'm not fucking just trading you, son. It's just not, it's not going to happen like that. And I think the same thing may be happening with DeRozan. So I think that's why Pop maybe wants to step down and uh, that's the only bad thing. And that's just rumor in, in the window, to be quite honest with you. Uh, so the only bad thing I got to say about the Spurs is something that somebody may have made up and I just read it. Uh, Washington Wizards. Washington Wizards. Again, one of the worst franchises in the history of sports. You know, when, when I make an NFL version of this, we're going to really talk about how, how bad, bad can be. But Washington would probably be the Cincinnati Bengals of basketball. I mean, um, small, minimal years of relevancy in the 80s. I don't think the bullets was even popping back then. There was another. There was another team. There, there was the Generals. I don't even think that was the '80s. It's probably the '70s. I don't even think that was the NBA. That's probably the ABA. So Washington has been bad for as long as you or me or John Wall or Bradley Beal has been alive. So when you have a talent like John Wall, you have a talent like Bradley Beal, and we see how good they are, and we see how awful they are. It makes you want. It makes you want to wish them out of a bad situation. But Bradley Bill signed a big-ass contract last year. Last year. Now, granted, he would have got less from another team, I believe. But he signed a big-ass contract to stay. 
John Wall signed a huge ass forty million big dog contract. A, a big dog, a a chili cheese glizzy contract to stay on board. So as much as I wanna, much as I want them to go onto another situation, much as they probably should go in another situation. They signed up for this. So if you sign up for this situation and your team is fucking trash, I don't want to hear about no Bradley Bill trade shit. Because he just signed a contract last year. Now, I mean, he got that contract and maybe they offer more money, like I just said. But you signed on a fucking dotted line. I just said Tim Duncan, you know, I, I'm comparing Bradley Bill to Tim Duncan. That's why I saw tired I am. A, I am right now of, of, of everything I've gone through. We're going through these teams, and I'm comparing a guy that can score a little bit to Tim Duncan. Thank y'all for listening. Uh, I appreciate y'all listening to the pod. Uh, I'm going to do another very, very depressing episode, and I'm going to make sure I drink when doing uh, – I'll do some shots. I'll do a shot every time I get angry uh, doing the football one because the football one would we'll just have a – I might even cry doing that motherfucker. Thank y'all for listening. Holla.